Welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I am here with my co-host and co-founder, Wilkie V. Law III. We want to thank you for taking time to listen and share your stories with us. We appreciate you, whether you're listening on SoundCloud, on YouTube, on iHeartRadio, or on iTunes. We are a podcast for educators created from a six-year conversation between us, two educators from different backgrounds and journeys that discovered that the true value in education is in the connections that teachers make with their students and the relationships that develop from that connection. The purpose of our podcast is to provide educators a platform to share their voices with others, make those connections, and to return value to the classroom experience and the teaching craft. Above all, we believe that when you add value to yourself, you add value to others. So welcome to Value Adds Value. Folks, welcome back. My name is Kyle Krieger, and you are checking into episode number nine of season two of the Value Adds Value podcast. Uh, I'm joined by, as always, by my guy, Wilkie V. Law III. Will, what's good? What's going on, man? I'm excited to be here. This beautiful Sunday morning, 73 degree weather in Houston. Nice. Ah, I'm loving it. Don't even start with me. <laughs> It's it was 37 and snowing this morning when I got up in Minnesota. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, the tables have turned because we've had so many months of, of 90 plus to degree yeah, change. Right. This is very much welcomed. Very much welcomed. Yeah. yeah so, but, Will, yeah. why don't you go on ahead and, and uh, intro our, our guests that we're just, man, so thrilled to have. Yeah. You know, we're excited to have our guests here. The assistant principal at YMLA, am I correct? Yes, you got it. YMLA, all right. Because I've been looking at it because we, we we met at AIE, uh, mm -hmm. set in a, a powerful session. Uh, you kind of spoke the same language as us. And mm -hmm. we're just really, really excited to have Brandy Gratton here with us to have a conversation about yeah. reflection and education. So how are you, Brandy? I'm doing great. Uh, about the same the weather is in Houston. It's about the same here in Austin. Yesterday we had some nice cold weather. You know, you had to turn on the heat. Uh, Kyle down here. Like we give uh, gloves out and everything else I'm, like that. So it was great. Of course, I had to make pancakes because it was cold. So, oh man, that's, that's, um, that's yeah. It. Yeah, we <laughs> were. I was. I was out with my fiance and all of her family, and I had on. It was like Friday night. It was in the thirties. So like I put my heavy coat on and my, my brother-in-law was like, when do people in Texas start wearing that? I'm like, once it hits like 60, people are wearing like heavy yes. coat for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we really I, only get two seasons, so we got to take advantage in every chance right. we get. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. So yeah, like, like we said, Brandy, we're super thrilled to have you. So to get us started, could you just tell us the story of how you got into the education profession? Yeah, absolutely. So my intention going to college was to go become a physical therapist. I also had some dreams I flirted with a little bit as far as uh, trying to do media and news. Uh, uh, as far as I, I wanted, I, I saw Oprah Winfrey and I wanted to be some type of news anchor and give news and all that other kind of stuff. I say it that way because one of my mentors always says, you know, as an administrator, you can always be on the news branding. You can fulfill that goal that you had. So I want to make sure that I frame that accurately. Um, so those are my, my two things that I, I wanted to do. Um, but I ended up uh, volunteering at a, a pretty tough middle school in Austin 
on the southeast side of Austin, and I fell in love with it. I worked on the in the PE side um, with one of a, a longtime veteran, like thirty plus year veteran teacher, and I didn't look back from there. Uh, <laughs> working with the students, getting a chance to have fun with them, especially in that very tumultuous time that particular school was in, and trying to help um, uh, add value. Um, and help um, increase the cultural average that existed there. I didn't look back. That was my that was my sophomore year of college, and then I changed my major to education, and that was it. Wow, you know, but what, when you mentioned media news, like I so see that. Like hearing your voice, I think Kyle and I both remarked on it after your presentation. It was like you have a presence that 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 does lend itself to say, hey, you should be in the news. Like you should Thank be you. somewhere on, in, in media because you have that and you captivate your audience very well. So I can totally see that. Thank you. So don't, yeah. don't throw that dream away yet. It's still made <laughs> don't throw it yet. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and, and just to plug your presentation a little more, I mean, we talked about your, your ability to storytell. I mean, because that was the powerful part of your presentation. And I'm sure that your media kind of background helps you do that because you're, you were like a classic storyteller to where it, everything you said just drew us drew us into the story and we could really feel like what it's like to be at your campus. So we really appreciate that about your presentation. Awesome. Thank you both, Kyle and Will, for those kind words. I appreciate it. And yeah, I won't let the dream die. Thank you all for, for those <laughs> so, encouraging words. So we, we always love to ask um, our teachers who we have on, was there a teacher... Um, one teacher who was just that teacher for you that really had a profound impact on you? Yeah, I think for me, I can think of a particular coach that I had, and this was the the first person that came to mind, and her name was Clarissa Reitzel, and she actually played basketball here in UT Austin. It was a pretty big name in Austin, and I played for one of her AAU basketball teams, and she was one of those coaches that, for one, you didn't want to disappoint, Number two, that always kept it real with you. And number three, that was consistently about you better make progress every single practice. I mean, I don't think I, she wasn't the coach that I ran the most for, but I felt like I did in terms of hitting those drills again and again and again, trying to make the last drill better than the drill two drills ago. And so um, she was about working on some of those details and some of those X and O's beyond just running a play. What are the things that um, that would help us be able to run the play, such as our footwork, um, such as being very clean when we set screens and we roll from picks or whatever. Uh, that's the type of coach that she was. It was about those details, but about refining the process um, uh, so it made our product better. Wow. I like that. I like that a lot. So I love the idea of refining that, that I, when I, when I hear that, I like, I, that's one of the things I try to do in my classroom even is mm -hmm. I try to make sure that I refine it. So where it, where it becomes, I know this, this, this is not for students, but in my mind, like it becomes top shelf. Yeah. You know, it becomes that, that extra, that extra, extra virgin, extra crush, um, that very special oil that you, that, and that's what I think of when you say that, that attention to detail. It's like, I want to make sure that every single thing, because if you make sure the, the minuscule things are good, then greatness is almost guaranteed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you remind me when you said that, you remind me of a recipe and I was uh, probably binge watching Food Network uh, probably a little bit too much. And I think it was Bobby Flay or maybe it was Alex Wanashelli that talked about, if you want to make a great meal, a great product, you've got to start with great ingredients. You've got to, uh, you can't just find this off the shelf butter because this, that, or the other. No, you got to find the best of the butter that you can find, find the best of whatever you're combining with that butter. Don't 
don't skimp on the ingredients just to get a great product. Right, mm. right. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one more just kind of intro question. What is your philosophy of education or philosophy on education? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it feels like I haven't come back to that question for a long time, but maybe in fact, I do come back to it every day. I believe that every single student wants to learn. Beyond every student can learn, I believe every student wants to learn. When they show up at the school, they want to learn something, uh, whether that be something about math, something about how they interact with each other. Oftentimes, something about us, which is really interesting to me uh, that students would, would sit and listen and, and want to listen about us for long periods of time. Um, something about sports or fine arts or whatever. Every single student shows up at the door wanting to learn something. Mm. And, and, that's, and that's something we've talked about almost every episode is the, the need for authenticity for us as teachers. Because mm -hmm. that, that point you make is huge. Kids want to kids want to know who you are they want to learn about you and the the it took me a long time to realize that as a teacher because i don't i don't remember feeling that like it, like understanding that i felt that as a kid mm -hmm. but i can look back to the teachers that were the most impactful on me and and i felt like i knew them i felt like i knew who they really were yeah absolutely absolutely i can remember um now, this was graduate school, so it was not that, that long ago. But one of my favorite professors and still a mentor at this time, uh, Nelson Coulter, he started the class and his school, or sorry, his class was called the, the business of school or school business, something like that. And he would always say the business of school is learning. And he said it's so, like ad nauseum in class all the time. And so until it was literally tattooed onto our DNA. But what's significant about just that the business of school is learning was that the way in which this man, who was all about learning, all about making systems clean, so on and so forth, the way he started the class was ask me any question that you want to and just put it on the floor, just open it up. Because he said the answers from, from me don't matter unless the questions are yours. And so um, that kind of prompted me and encouraged me mm. to, to start giving students the opportunity to do interviews. Uh, we even did one a couple weeks ago during our house meeting where some students got to meet a set of staff members that they often don't get a lot of chance to interact with. And those folks got a chance to share part of their story. And it's through those stories that we see that intersectionality. And like you said, Kyle, have the opportunity to see where our own lives intersect with those of our teachers and those of our students to help um, ease that cultural responsiveness that, that I believe goes both ways between teacher and student, student and teacher. Right, yeah. Wow. There's a, like there was like four things right there that I was, was just like, like trying to unpack <laughs> all as it happened. Wow, yeah, yeah. But I love that idea because Kyle and I often talk about. We were at a conference and we asked a group of educators, "What's the end game for education?" Hmm. And it was amazing that at this table of, you know, professors from higher ed, teachers from K twelve, uh, mentor programs that everyone saw it differently right? Yeah. or struggled to try to figure out what the end game yeah. was. But I love right. the way your professor said that the business of school mm -hmm. is learning. That's it. And, and it, it's so simple, but it, it, yeah, it's learning. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And as an administrator, you know, how to, and, and as a teacher as well, a staff member, a custodian, how do we so influence the 
the conditions that make the ease of learning possible. Um, so it's clean buildings, it's, it's, it's structures and systems that make sure that um, they all contribute to, at the end of the day, the business of school is learning. Um, and again, I think like we asked a couple of questions ago, if every student or not, if since every student walks into the building wanting to learn and the business of school is learning, then that's a, we're in a really good space together, right? We're in a really good space together and only only great things can happen. And as an administrator, I believe that it's incumbent upon me to so try to positively influence the conditions that our teachers and staff work in to where they're at their best game at their optimum levels as many days as possible. Because I know when teachers are great, only magic can happen for students. Absolutely. I, I kind of want to come back to where you say every student wants to learn because mm -hmm. I know I've been in places and I've been around teachers who say that that's just not the case, that there's no way you can reach every kid. And th the topic of this podcast is reflection. So reflecting on my past, you know, experience, there were a lot of times that I let that soak in. So when you come in contact with someone that is saying like, that's just not the case, this kid or this kid or whatever, how, how do you approach that teacher to try to show them? that no, this is the case that every kid wants to learn? Yeah, absolutely, that's a great question. Um, and if I can take a step back or further upstream a little bit, when you told me that the show was going to be focused on teacher reflection, I asked myself the question, I said, okay, so when did my whole process of reflection start? And for me, so many of my lessons came from a athletic field, court, whatever the case may have been, and I, I can remember the first time that I started, I believe, truly reflecting uh, on my own practices, on my own performance, uh, before I ever got the data back, if you will, was uh, probably my last year playing collegiate basketball. And I started, uh, Kyle, well, I started taking notes after every practice, not after every game, not after film, um, not after a tournament, after every practice. So before I went to my next class after practice, I would just take these little notes and I would write down, um, I remember one note I wrote specifically, when driving to the basket, hang on tighter to the ball. There's no reason you should lose the ball, like with somebody popping it out or whatever. Um, I said something about making my cut sharper uh, when we were running a particular offense um, and so on and so forth. And I would critique my, my, my jump shot. I would critique as many pieces of the game that I can think of in a short amount of time right after practice. And for me, that started the process at I guess I was 21 years old, started the or 22, started the process of after I complete something, let me take a few minutes to write some notes down. If I can't write them down, let me think through them. And so what I would find the very next practice is that what I wrote down is what I would actually do and what I was actually mm -hmm. able to perform because it was written down or at least thought about in a, in a critical way. So with that said, as far as how would I bring that practice of self-reflection uh, to some of some of our teachers or some of our staff that may be struggling with the notion that students are coming into the field and coming into the classroom to learn. Uh, the first way I would start is um, for sure encouraging that teacher. I can think of a couple of teachers last week that I spoke to specifically and I had to tell them and I wanted to tell them again and again, you're the best person standing in front of that classroom every single day. These kids need you. Um, and we were standing in the book room and the teachers had had a pretty rough day. There were uh, some reading teachers that had a pretty rough day and they were getting some resources out of the book room. And they just looked at me like, like really, Ms. Gratton? Absolutely. And me, as your administrator, the one who's supposed to evaluate you and coach you, mentor you or whatever, I utterly and absolutely believe that. 
Um, and so it start, had to start there because I needed that sense of that sense of efficacy to at least, if it's not full grown yet, to at least grow some, uh, so that they had they could stand on their own ten toes in front of that classroom, in front of those students that they felt like they ain't here to learn, they ain't here to try to do nothing but make my life miserable. And so, um, starting with them, with the teacher, my hope was to to shape or reshape the, their consciousness about what their role is with their particular students. Also, and this is something that, that I shared in the conference as well, uh, trying to do my best to capitalize on those mastery experiences that teachers do have, especially with those students that they're not quite sure if they're there to learn or not. Um, as an administrator, um, I'm trying to do my best to, to capture, to find those and, and crystallize those times that students are, particularly those more hard to reach students, are, are doing something where they are demonstrating learning. And sometimes that happens in art class. Um, I can think of a handful of students that right now, pretty sure everybody is like, I, I know this kid has a dentist appointment today, and yet they show up every single day. Um, that student has performed magnificently in art. And so bringing them up there during our grade level team meeting um, and trying to, again, capture and crystallize those mastery experiences that the students are also having, um, I think at least puts us on a better path to, to again, reshape that consciousness that me as a teacher, me as an administrator, understanding that every student that comes in wants to learn. And whether it may not be in my class yet, but they are learning somewhere. And sometimes that might be at home with a brother or sister that I got to uplift. That might be at home with a parent that has cancer. That might be at home with, with some folks, some adults in the house that ain't doing the right things, but somehow that kid has found the resilience to drop, walk across Austin to come to school and we have those too because they want to get on the city bus. I apologize that we have to take this short break from this episode of the Value Adds Value podcast, but we have news that's so important we just couldn't wait to tell you. Because we believe in it and because they believe in us, we were able to partner with Nearpod to provide you a free opportunity and discounts on your chance to use the Nearpod platform. Now, what is Nearpod? Glad you asked. Nearpod is an online teaching platform that we can house our lessons, we can create presentations, and they have the most incredible bank of pre-created lessons and curriculum that is there for you to sample depending upon what level you choose. So if you go to the link that's in our show notes, I'm going to give it to you right now, it's go dot nearpod dot com backslash value adds value that's go dot nearpod dot com backslash value adds value you have the opportunity to sign up for free plus get huge discounts on their gold and their platinum memberships and for a few lucky listeners soon we're going to be giving away gold memberships and one platinum so keep listening and we'll let you know when that's going to happen but before that is Get on, go to go.nearpod.com backslash value as value to check it out. Some people were fighting. So they walked across Austin to come to school. Um, so I try to make sure that our teachers know about, about particular situations like that. So they understand or have a better understanding, I should say, that, that those students, they're coming here to learn. So let's show up, let's do our job, and let's make it happen for these kids. That was a long answer. No, but it, it was very in depth, and put that like yeah. in some nice cups 
somehow. <laughs> oh no, that's. I mean, but but I, I'm gonna let you go, Will, because I'm still trying to process. <laughs> well, like I said, I, I we, one thing that we do like about having the podcast is that we have the opportunity to just have a conversation and allow teachers to listen and be a part of that conversation because, again, someone's gonna need that nugget, and that may be the only little piece that they ever go back to to listen to. Because I know even on my campus, we're dealing with reluctant teachers. Um, you know, and I, my approach is always the same way with reluctant learners. I'm going to keep building my learning culture in such mm -hmm. a way that either you're going, to, you're going to come on board or you're going to fill out a place. Yeah. You know, the hope is that you do not fill out a place. But right. I can't stop the learning culture because you don't want to grow. Right. And, yeah. you know. When you're dealing with professionals, it's like, let's just keep it professional. And if we're, if we're growing, if our business is learning, mm -hmm. that's not just student learning. Right. It's teacher yes. learning. Absolutely. That's, that's educational leader learner yes. learning. You know, that's, that's, that's district personnel learning. Mm -hmm. That's everyone never forgetting what that process looks like and how right. you can evolve your every situation to create those moments where students are learning. So, um, yeah, no, that, that, that was a perfect answer that, that needed to be said. Well said, too. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So That's jumping good. into our topic for this month, uh, we, we, we're going with a different format, and we want it to be topical every single month. And this, week, this month, we're dealing with, with teacher reflection. So yes. what is the importance of being, a reflect, being reflective as an educator to you? What is the importance of that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I shared a little bit in the last question about, for me, when that, that process of reflection, I think, became more so a part of me. Um, I don't think that anybody told me to do it. I, I'm pretty sure my coach didn't tell me to do it. Um, I was a journaler already. Like, I would just write different stuff that was happening in life already, but I never wrote about this particular aspect of my life. And I don't mean I was writing paragraphs and pages and stuff. Like, literally, I still have some of the notes. Um, they were little on green sticky notes and somebody had given them to me and they would they were bullets of what I had done that practice um, and where I needed to get better that particular practice and they didn't have a whole lot on there but um, I think for me that most of the reason that I see that as important is because number one it allows me to continue that process of self-improvement that process of, of I hope I'm using the right term here that process of introspection um, it keeps me hungry and it keeps me humble I often hear people, I saw this thing the other day was uh, with some principal um, or assistant principal and her banner on her Twitter, was it be, uh, their banner on her Twitter said, stay hungry, stay humble. And I said, oh my gosh, that's exactly what it is, right? Um, because in education, there is no top. Sometimes when our numbers look good, it's easy to get kind of comfortable. But if we were to, to interrupt that and to um, push ourselves toward that, continuous cycle of improvement um that self-reflection is certainly an absolute must but i think it it certainly paves the way for me to stay hungry knowing that i've got to improve on something but also on the other end also stay humble that i haven't arrived yet um being a woman of faith i i can i can remember uh something that, that was written that was taught to me growing up that um there was a, a verse that said i'm I forget about the things that are behind and I press forward on the things that lie ahead. And so this whole notion that, that there's a goal that I'm trying to get to and I've got to keep making steps toward that. Um, we're in a race. 
life, everything. Our kids are in the race for sure, and certainly our profession. Um, and this is something that we want to lay aside those things that that disrupt us running that race. And that one thing that disrupts it is, is the arrogance, the, the lack of humility. And I think that if we're more introspective and if we reflect, it makes us be humble and take a look at, without an administrator, without a, a, a an evaluator, it makes us take a look at those things that, that we're not quite where we need to be, um, but also gives us the opportunity to stay hungry, to get better. So um, to answer the question, what's the importance of it? It gives us that, that self-reflection gives us the opportunity to stay humble and to stay hungry uh, and to not stop this race and to keep going um, until we can say at the end of our lives, look, I'm spent. Um, that for me as an educator, that's what I want to be. I want to be spent at the end of my life. That there's there's no more left. Um, I've given everything. And that's in the world of education, certainly to my own family as well. I've given everything that I could. And and that way I will, will know that I've, I've ran a good race as an educator and as um uh, as a woman, as a wife, as a mother, as a daughter, everything that I've had the opportunity and the blessing to do. Absolutely. I love that. Stay hungry and stay humble. I love Les Brown and I listen to Les Brown a lot. And when he yeah. always says, you, know, you gotta be hungry. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, when you were saying it, I just kept hearing that in my head over and over again. Um, because I think that that that's that element that I love about going to conferences is that you're around people who are hungry. Yeah. You know, you're not, in, in, being in buildings, we know the reality. Everyone's not going to grasp the growth train and be ready to go for it. You're yeah. going to have some pockets that are not going to attach themselves. But when you go to a conference, it's like you get this full 360 experience of people around you who are there sharing experience with the same purpose. I want to get better. And yeah. there's something special about when you genuinely work with people and you want to get better. Uh, that that circle is totally different. You know, I was a mm-hmm. I was a rapper. Um, well, I am a rapper, was a rapper back in the days. And mm-hmm. I remember getting into ciphers with, with my friends and it wasn't a battle as much as it was a game of wits. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, who can who can say the catchiest punchline or or who can keep it going and continuously without stopping and make sure they're incorporating the experience in the moment. And it was almost like that sparring made us better. Yeah. It made you hungry. Cause it was like, you get to practice and you know, the Bible says, you know, iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. And when we're in conferences and we're meeting people like you and we're, you know, being able to shake hands and talk with people like principal Rudy Kafele. Yeah. Um, yes. You know, it, it 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 really allows us the opportunity to sharpen, and it's like more teachers need that experience. But I believe it comes from reflection. You know, people ask me all the time, "Why do you go to so many PDs?" Because I know where I struggle, and I know mm-hmm. what I want to get better at. Right, absolutely. And that comes from my own personal inventory of saying, "Yep, I need to probably get over here to see what they're talking about." You know, but mm-hmm. that comes from reflection. And um, mm-hmm. so, can you tell us about a time that? You- you can recall as a teacher that being reflected really had a positive impact on on your on your on your, on your, on your students in your classroom. Yeah, absolutely. So um, a time that I think I got um, that I can remember that was that was significant. At that particular time, our school was in a tough position. We had already uh, entered in what the state was calling improvement required. 
uh, we were in a tough spot academically. Um, there was conversations about, well, is the school going to close? We had already experienced a turnover of administrators, and I was in the classroom and was deemed a, a, a strong teacher, uh, but my test scores suffered, and I, I taught social studies eighth grade, but my test scores were really suffering. They were, they were, they were not what I would have wanted for myself. They were not the way in which I had performed in the past uh, with a little bit different accountability system. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, and that that really bothered me. And so um, during the, the, at the macro level, this is what was going on with the school. Conversations were happening about closures, restructuring, all this other kind of stuff. Um, I'm pretty sure we were told a few times to get our resume ready and to get ready to go to job fairs because the way in which we existed at that time was not going to be the same the next year. And so we were all feeling that crunch. And so for me at the micro level, I'm sitting up here struggling, trying to figure out what's going on in my classroom. Like every single day, I'm thinking that I'm doing what's best for students. I'm, I'm feeling that uh, I'm a strong teacher. Right? What's what's going on? So my, I think my sense of efficacy was really shaken because my scores were not indicative of what I believed that I was pouring forth for my students. And so um, I'm going through the process of asking myself questions through the summer at the beginning of the school year. I'm looking at some of my own practices. Certainly I looked at my scores, but I'm looking at my tier one teaching. What does my instruction look like every single day? Am I consistently using the, the same particular things? I was a fairly creative teacher. Am I using things that I think that are so creative, but I'm missing the, the objective that students are supposed to get at? Uh, so I'm asking myself these questions as we're lesson as I'm lesson planning. Um, I got a teammate a little bit later on in the in the school year. Sorry, a little bit later on in the summer, right before the school year started, and I started asking other folks questions um, from other districts. Hey, how did you improve this out of the other about your social studies score? Um, and some of these principals that were from from the suburbs were telling me some of the practices that they had, and I was looking at some of the practices that I had. So for me, that that process of of self reflection it happened in a pretty dense and intense time for, for me as an educator and for our school, but I saw dividends for our growth, and I'll, and I'll share a little bit with you on that. Um, as I was asking those particular questions, especially about how these schools had gotten to success in the area of social studies and why I was not, I started making notes about uh, these school districts that were using short cycle assessments in the classroom, these common assessments in the classroom, and this was the first I had heard of this whole notion of common assessments that the district didn't make, but that the teachers made. And so that was uh, pretty uh, mind shifting for me. For for most people, they'd be like, oh, yeah, we've done that forever. For me, that was, I thought you just go in there, you teach the curriculum as hard as you can, then you do two weeks of review, and then boom, you're done. These were some of those details, right, that probably Coach Clarissa Reitzel would have taught me as a basketball player, some of those details that I had missed for um, that 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 pursuit of just trying to get through the curriculum. So I started implementing common assessments. I started implementing interventions that came after school. And y'all, believe it or not, when we were a co-ed school, I actually split the after-school tutorials, boys and girls. Before the conversation ever happened about going single gender or whatever, I actually had an all-young lady tutorial after school and an all-young men tutorial after school. And you know what? My strategies were, were pretty different on the way in which I did the young men and the way in which I did the young ladies. Now, granted, I'm not saying that all young men learners and all young lady learners are a monolith. Please don't hear me say that. I'm certainly not saying that. But what I am saying is that there were certain, in particular, ways that my young men would grab hold onto, instructionally uh, speaking, and certain ways in which my young ladies would grab grab hold to, instructionally speaking. And so, as a result of those questions that I 
that I had to confront um, and that I wanted to confront as an educator that had not yet hit the level that I wanted to. Um, it began to, to change my practice for my students. Every single day that tier one instruction was, I mean, super solid with the objective where every Monday was exactly the same, every Tuesday was exactly the same. And it made me become, I think, a little bit more structured in how I did my lessons, more structured in how the instruction looked. Um, it made me become more disciplined in how I was reading um, the student SE and how much time I was spending with one thing or, or another. This was, I think, before Lead Forward had really, really taken off. And so those, um, those frequency of, of things being tested, I had to go and count those myself on, on different tests. But nevertheless, I had the opportunity, um, the blessed opportunity to do that um, because of that reflection that had to take place for me. Again, certainly what was going on in our school, but for me also as an educator, like it was hitting my pride. Like, why am I not reaching the students the way I know that I can? Why does my data look this way? And so this was, there was no, administrator that ever came to talk to me about this. I don't know. I, it would have been well received, I think, but I, I would have had a more difficult time with it. And I don't think I would have grown to the degree that I did without um, uh, pushing myself and, and asking myself those critical questions, right? And, and um, raising my own critical consciousness. And so um, I ended up seeing moves, positive moves for our data by the end of that year, not the way in which I wanted to, if we would have had one more year before they restructured our school, I know we would have been hitting those numbers out of the park, but we made growth for our, with our students in our comprehensive program and then also in our pre-AP program. Um, and so this was what was, was exciting for me that I saw the numbers, I saw the benefits of what we were doing. Again, not where I wanted it to be, but still I saw that growth um, as a result of, of me asking those questions like, hey, why are my students doing what I know they can do? Um, and what was funny is that my administrators, they just, whatever, whatever I said I needed, they just said, okay. Um, nobody came and talked to me and said, oh, you got to get these numbers. Nobody ever did that. Nobody ever even gave me a data sheet that I had to go through particular questions to fill out. No, that was for me as an educator um, because I wanted to. I knew I had to get better for those students that I served. Thank you all for checking out this episode of Value Adds Value. This is part one our episode with Brandy Gratton. So please tune in next week and hear the other part of her story, which is so powerful about her work with the at the Young Men's School and, and why reflection is so important for us as teachers. So as always, we appreciate you liking and subscribing to the podcast, leaving reviews. And if you're not following us on social media, please go do that. Add value as value and at its dot will dot law dot I, I, I. We hope to see you again soon on the Value at Value podcast.